out. It looks like the clock is about to strike midnight on this Cinderella story. It's uh, refreshing, yet uh, displeasing to the eye. Somebody has run out on the field. Some goofball in a hat and a red shirt. Now he takes off the shirt. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. In the dying seconds! Unbelievable! They wouldn't say die! That just shows that they didn't come to play. They really come to play here at the MCG tonight. Welcome to another week of They Came to Play. And there has been plenty going on in the AFL world over the last seven days. And to help me through it, Danny McGinley, a very good day to you. Thank you, Lemo. And it's out Tess Armstrong in goal umpire extraordinaire, Chelsea Roffey. Hello, Chelsea. Yeah. They are big boots to fill. I don't know if I can do it, but I will uh, give it my best crack. I think you'll do a wonderful job. Chelsea, you are able to reveal on any level your location at the moment. Can you talk to us about where you are? Look, I can say that I am in a uh, northern locale. Um, There is a little bit more sunshine and beach type weather um, where I am. Not so, okay, all right. No, no, we've uh, got out of there pretty quick. But um, I'm, I'm up on, Queen, on the Queensland hub. So, uh, yes, I've been here for about a month now, actually. All right. How is, can you give us a snapshot of hub life? How, how is it? Yeah, look, it's really, um, it's all facials and theme parks and uh, it's been just great. <laughs> right. How's it's your actually... tennis going? Have you, uh, have you run Kyrgios to, to have a hit? <laughs> And now it's Bird Atomic on the Gold Coast. Oh, that's right. Damn it. <laughs> no, it's um look, it's it's obviously been a bit of a blessing sort of escaping Victoria at the moment with everything going on down there. But um Hub Life does have its its protocols and restrictions. So um it's look, we can go out and we can get a bit of outdoor action if you want to go for a walk or a run. Um having done the quarantine for a couple of weeks. So now that I'm out of quarantine, uh pretty free to sort of get out and about, but uh, obviously distancing and making sure uh, common sense applies at all times. Uh, can you go to a, a movie? Are you allowed to do oh, that? Are you? Can you go to a restaurant? No. So restaurants are out. Uh, movies are out. Uh, shopping centres with large crowds are out. So they're quite, they've tightened down. Um, I think just as look, more and more people are coming up here in a hub type environment, um, so the AFL is really conscious of just making sure we're avoiding any situation where we're with a large group of people. So even if we were to go out with a, a bunch of umpires, for example, it's small groups only, like less than five, um, just trying to really minimise contact with other people. And there's a really uh, unfair joke that could be made there. Don't you? I know neither of us are going to go there about <laughs> uh, well, We mean all the other umpires have no mates, but not <laughs> Chelsea. Chelsea would be very popular. I'm batting, yeah, I'm batting off social engagement uh, invitations, you know, left, right and centre. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate that. <laughs> um, are the umpires quarantined separately to the players or are you? do you see players getting around the joint? No, we're separate at the moment. So there have been a few shifts from different hotels. So when we first came up, we had a like a quarantine hub. Uh, we were actually in one location for one week sharing with uh, trying to think which club. I think it was Essendon. 
Oh, it's Hawthorne. Of course it was Hawthorne. Sorry. We know. Oh, get out. Marco, no, just no, look. you all tied up in the basement with a whip. <laughs> no, no, look, no favourites. We're sharing ourselves around uh, to the <laughs> – I think we've crossed paths with North Melbourne, Essendon. I think Carlton have been in a, the same spot. Um, but from we had that first week in the hub and then we shifted um, for the second week of quarantine and now that we're out, we're just in a completely separate space. How relieved are you that Razor Ray is in Perth? <laughs> well, I've got some news for you then. Is this breaking news? Um, he will be joining us on the Gold Coast. And so I've just, um, yeah, I've just battened down the hatches and I have just done a big shopping trip so I don't need any groceries and I won't be leaving the building for for a while just so Ray can't see me. He is. Uh, he's not aligned, Razor Ray. Danny, I've got some advice for you because I feel like yeah. you enjoy hating Razor Ray it's important that you never meet him because he's actually a really good bloke and it'll be very oh, hard for you to hate him once was, you've met him. I was just going to jump I, in and say that after that terribly bitchy comment that I made. Um, <laughs> he's actually a bit of a ripping bloke. but uh, I actually genuinely love Razor Ray and I love when he's mic'd up and I think he's very funny. However, he's pretty much the only umpire that everyone knows, so in order for the <laughs> joke to work, I needed it to be him. It's... It's a nickname. It's a very memorable nickname. Really, there is the umpires we know. We know Razor. We know you, Chelsea. But apart from that, it, it goes by the numbers. And uh, and f- forgive me for this. This is unfair, but uh, very attractive blonde goal umpire from Perth. Oh, right. No, is this – you're talking about Sally? I'm assuming you mean female. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's the just in my brain. They're the ones that I know. Oh. And everyone else is just umpire. I'm going to pass that on to Sal. She's she's a lovely lovely gal. You know Elaine as well. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 She's tanned up. She's tanned up. She's been on the Gold Coast for quite some time. She's just got that uh, that beautiful skin that just seems to glow with the uh, little bit of sunshine. But I'm not going to rub that in too much because I have to be more sensitive in what I'm saying to <laughs> you fellas. <laughs> a lot of Victorians will be listening to this, Chelsea. That's it. Yeah. Well, yes, I'm just doing some great PR for umpiring right now. <laughs> right. Now, there have been a few – we'll get to the games in just a moment, but there have been a few uh, COVID breaches in the last week. I just want to quickly go through the list. So Trent Cotchen's wife was at a day spa. Some Hawthorne players bought chips at the footy. Uh, Nathan Buckley played tennis. The uh, kids of a Carlton player ended up at Dreamworld. And uh, North Melbourne, I believe, some of the wives went to the footy. And all of those things are not allowed. But if you look at those, those five things together, it's actually not a bad day out. Going to the footy, trip to Dreamworld, game of tennis, <laughs> a day spa, visit, eat some chips. That's a great day. These are all the things that I have been absolutely hanging out to do. And, uh, <laughs> no, it's um, all these little things that, yeah, it's a great day out on the coast. It is indeed. Have you, do you have access to tennis where you are? Uh, not currently, but I can look out my balcony window and watch people playing tennis. So it's almost the same. But you're, you're, just, you're, you're not allowed to play with them is the... Uh... Uh, negative, yes. It's, there's just another uh, building out the back that... Um, Separate to us. So we could, I'm wondering if we can play tennis currently, maybe with one other person, one other umpire. One, yeah. But probably, not, I'd probably get away with that. Yeah. But not, you wouldn't be able to invite an outsider. No. Into the hub. No. No. As, Do you get your own limits. room or are you having to share with, um, with, with someone else or, I mean, what, what, do, yeah, what, what is the living scenario? Arrangements. So, yeah, look, we do have our own rooms. 
so, yeah, I've got, a, I guess, a little apartment to myself. Uh, my husband is actually quarantining as we speak. So he uh, came up, there was a flight oh, probably three or four days ago uh, just with some additional family members from clubs and umpires. So he will be joining once he's done with quarantine. So that's actually really nice to, to see him. It's been a while. That that would have uh, seen him, <laughs> uh, and good on him for quarantining for uh, how. So he's been in a separate hotel for two weeks. Yeah, but that's all part of the deal. See, you got to get up on the on the charter flight and then uh, separate yourself from the outside world. Yeah, but I, that all again, I'm saying something that sounds incredibly insensitive because that's not the worst thing ever, yeah, well, based on how life was before. So, uh, yeah, that's true. Now, how long? What's do you have any idea how long you're in Queensland for? Or this is just all a week-to-week proposition at the minute? So when we first put our hand up, it was going to be 33 days that people who were available were available for that 33-day period. And then obviously things uh, developed from there and we had a range of fixture changes and then got up until I think we're at round 12 where we know for sure sort of what the fixture's looking like, unless that's been updated, but I think that's where we're at. Yeah. So um, we've all agreed if, if we're here now, we're here for, for 10 weeks additional to that initial two-week period right. where the fixture was changed, if that makes sense. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, yeah. to answer your question, now it's a 10-week 10 10-week 10 thing. So I'm just, I've got clothes on high rotation. I'm wearing the same thing every day. <laughs> <laughs> and are you, if you're going to be there for that long, are you tempted to just hang around for schoolies? Oh, so tempting. You know, I because uh, I grew up in Brisbane and I didn't have my schoolies on the Gold Coast. I went Sunshine Coast just for a little bit of a quieter, more sophisticated experience. Sure. Uh, yeah. Love. I've what point is the Sunshine Coast referred to as sophisticated? <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on. Compared to surfers. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I have actually been part of the uh, schoolies experience on the coast when I, I used to do a bit of work. I used to work for police media. That was my first job out of uni up in Brisbane. And um, I thought, great, I'm going to spend a week on the Gold Coast for work. How amazing. Um, but, yeah, I don't think I would ever put my hand up to be involved uh, in the schoolies experience <laughs> such as that again. <laughs> <laughs> right. You'll be uh, well yeah, and truly out of there. Yeah, uh, so I think I might leave before schoolies. When COVID is over, every single person is going to act like schoolies anyway. Like, seriously, that party is going to be like the end of World War Two. We are just going to be making out with strangers on the street, right. uh, licking every every pole, every just licking the gutter. Hey, freedom hey, for the first time. Speak for, for yourself, mate. <laughs> yeah, I think really? you've just uh, exposed yourself a bit there, uh, yeah. the benchmarks that we... Uh... <laughs> We've just learned something about Danny McGinley. Hey, Chelsea, before we get to the games... Who, just remind us, who do you barrack for again? Is it is it Brisbane? Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> almost. You almost got me there. Um, nah, look, obviously I love to see a good game. Big fan of the, the game and I like the, the best team on the day to win. Limo? You like footy to be the winner. Absolutely. Now, Chelsea, can you say that whilst Clarko drinks a glass of water? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's been uh, giggling a bit on the old presses lately, hasn't he? <laughs> he's not loving it. He's loving it. Um, okay, let's get uh, stuck into the games then. How should we do this, Danny? Should we just start Thursday night, get it out of the way for you? Uh, it was it was Wednesday night. God. Let's so, just skip past it. 
So Let's get past it. All right, I'll start with my analysis of the big match from Wednesday night. Okay. I thought um, I thought Andrew Naboo's penalty was really uh, well oh, taken, oh, oh. but there was nothing Melbourne Victory could do yeah. to stop Scott McDonald. I mean, he's such a good predatory uh, uh, striker. All right, sweet. We're done Wednesday. Let's go to Thursday. Demons okay. were disappointing, weren't they? It sounds like I'm going to have to do the match report from Wednesday night. Uh, Bulldogs, what a massive disappointment. What are the shining lights for the Bulldogs? Uh, well, I'm going to have to get back to you on that one. And, gee, uh, Dusty Martin just decided he's amazing at football again this season and was a goddamn freak on um, Wednesday night. Yeah, as Bob Murphy said in uh, one of his comments, uh, it looked like Dusty Martin looked like a grade six playing against grade threes. And it really annoys me because... Uh, like, of all this time of Richmond being good. Now, you guys might not even know this, but Bulldogs, we hate Richmond. They constantly cherry-picked our best players all throughout uh, for years because they could, were richer and they could afford to pay their players more. And now they're doing it with the women, Katie Brennan, Monique Conti, whatever you want. And so there's this real one-sided rivalry that we hate them. And uh, the, the Tony Liberatore, Matty Knights thing uh, always annoyed us because Liber got fined and Matty Knights never did. So anyway... And throughout this whole time of Richmond being good, which has been hellish, they've only beaten us once, and that was uh, a very unlucky. We got a, uh, a kick after the siren and it hit the post. And uh, so we've always sort of had this on. This is the first time in about a decade that they've actually properly beaten us, and it hurt a lot. Uh, Danny, uh, sorry, uh, Chelsea, I just have to point out to you that Danny spends roughly five to ten minutes in each podcast explaining why the Bulldogs hate the team they've just played. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it was all starting to sound a bit familiar when you first started talking. I was like, oh, where are we going with this? Nah. Chelsea, if I had to ask you as an as an independent lover of mm. the game, I, if I s- said blink reaction, who are the Bulldogs' biggest rival, who oh. would you say? Gee, that's a tough one. Because The blink's over. Sorry, I've really frozen. <laughs> <laughs> well, Danny wobbles between GWS and Richmond this week. Yeah. Right. We play Port tonight, so you know how much the dogs hate yeah. Port. Oh, it has just been for years. I feel like I can't actually think of that. Like there's nothing that comes up immediately for me as a rivalry. I mean, I'm still – I was in Brisbane at the time when the, the whole eye-gouging stuff was uh, was big news. So if you were a Brisbane supporter around that time, gee whiz, there was oh, yeah. a lot of hatred for the doggies. But uh, we've moved on from that, haven't we, Danny? <laughs> there was a period where, where Tony Liberatore was playing that uh, we did have, I think, 17 rivals in a 16-club competition. <laughs> it was quite impressive. Love to hate him. But uh, how good was Dusty, really? Like, um, just those yeah. couple of dolls, goals that he kicked, sorry. Um, and I love, as a goal umpire standing in the goals, just when he's got it, it's just, it's. I reckon he's probably got to be my favourite at the moment in terms of kicks. <laughs> I'm to be go. careful That's when I use headline. the F word. <laughs> my favourite player to to really see streaming in a goal. It's like he's just, yeah. he's incredible. He, he just yeah. brings that X factor. That is the headline that Herald Sun can run <laughs> with. Umpire admits Richmond are, are my favourite. <laughs> I've given you the lovely little eight-second grab. Yeah. yeah. Great. Um, we've got the headline. Thank you. Jules, um, how often in your head... I imagine that at least subconsciously you're predicting whether you think a player's going to kick a goal or a behind. Yeah. Yeah. So it's your body's got to remain neutral, but your head's sort of always thinking, what are my options and where's, yeah, where's, where am I going to go gonna, here? Where's it going to go? What percentage of the time do you think 
you're right with your prediction about whether it's going to be oh. a goal or a behind? That's an insightful question. That's a deep question. I like that. Mm. Uh, look, I reckon I would say percentage-wise, I reckon 80 to 90%, it probably does what you think it's going to do. Right. But that's because you've, you're, yeah. watching it off the, you're watching it off the hand, then you're watching it off the boot. Yeah. You're watching it all the time and you're also adjusting constantly to where the player's running from, where the defenders are. So you're really using all pieces of information to figure out where your starting position is. And so from that point of view, like usually you can, you can get it. How do you do it with uh, Ben Brown? Like because he's running up from the <laughs> other side of the oval. Do you just get your binoculars out? Or? I, I actually count his steps. <laughs> if I count his steps, I know that when I'm just going to read it off the boot. Yeah, right. But you wow. know you've got a nice long lever. You've got a long lever, so it's usually going to be a, a bit of a lob. Who's always going to kick a goal in your mind at the moment? Oh. And if you're comfortable, who's always going to miss? Oh, wow. Dusty always makes it interesting because he's always <laughs> kicking around his shoulder or over his shoulder or like around the corner. Uh, always playing on, and so it keeps it interesting. But you've got this sort of high level of confidence. Who gets me caught out? <laughs> Who gets me in a discussion with my coach saying, okay. "What are you doing there?" Let me so let me put this to you. Levi Casbolt's twenty meters out directly in front. <laughs> do you go and stand in between the point post and the goal post, or do you stay between the goals? <laughs> It's a, yeah, that's a tough one. Uh, I think you keep all op- options open. So you probably take a little step back and just open up the angles. Yeah. <laughs> and are you are you like an old... You saved me there, Lemo. I yeah. didn't have to uh, be mean to anyone. <laughs> Good. Now, are you like an old school commentator where you see a player on not much of an angle and they kick it around the body instead of kicking it straight? Yeah. Do you think to yourself, what, what are you doing? Just kick it straight. <laughs> I know. Uh, it does make our job more difficult. And um, I don't know. I kind of like it when Dusty does it. Um, yeah. Sorry, I'm, I'm getting a bit on the Dusty bandwagon here. I, I must You are up. really I'm doing sounding not well neutral. filling in a test. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I'm, I'm filling her shoes. Um, but then I think you get the copycat scenarios. Someone from Richmond did it the other day, and I can't remember who. And I'm like, oh, come on. You boys practicing this uh, uh, yeah, right. together. Uh, I just can't remember who it was. But. Um, yeah, sometimes, you know, if you get it, if you kick the goal, I don't have a problem with it. Well, yeah, well, I guess, if it works. I guess that's that's a good conclusion to it all, isn't it? If you kick the goal, yeah. no one's going to argue. That's it. About that's how it. you did it. Yeah. Um, and I'll be honest, I mean, we need a little bit of flair, I think. Some of the games at the moment, I reckon, just a little bit flat. So we need a bit of flair. We need sort of that excitement. Yeah. If there was a really good dribble kick in the Frio-Collingwood <sighs> game. That was from like uh, like fifty out, and it, it genuinely moved it. It moved like a, a knight on a chessboard. It was a proper L shaped uh, trajectory. Yeah, it did a that ninety degree turn. It was yeah, it was awesome. I can't remember who kicked it, but yeah, I remember seeing that one. Neither can I. Uh, <laughs> I will just bring attention to that. But it, but, ha- uh, but it happened. Trust us. It was great. <laughs> it happened. That's so it was great. Uh, so, Danny, the Western Bulldogs have crept into the eight. Yeah, with Frio beating Collingwood last night, I mean, uh, I was dreading that we were going to go into this episode in ninth. Uh, Chelsea, whoever is ninth, we tend to uh, tease a lot on this show. And 
And it's not not the Bulldogs, which is an absolute relief. Uh, who is nice? Es- Let me es- just have a quick... Oh, Essendon! Yeah. Oh, great. Perfect. Couldn't yeah. be happier with that. You hate them too, don't you? <laughs> we have missed them for a long time. Yeah, last time they finished the season ninth. Essendon? Yeah. Uh, no. I think it was two. Was it two thousand and twelve? It was where they got where they got booted out of the eight as a penalty. Oh yes, that was two thousand thirteen. I think yeah, because remember Carlton, Carlton finished ninth Carlton finished and then ninth. beat Richmond and beat Richmond, who normally finished ninth. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> all, God, they were good days. It was. Uh, very, it was very poetic. Hey, uh, let's uh, let's continue our way uh, through the games from the weekend and go to Thursday night. Jeez, don't you just love the fact there's footy every... Uh, oh, Port. Oh, Melbourne. How terrible were they? Yeah. Oh, man. I was begging for Daisy Pierce, who was doing the uh, the boundary riding, to just chuck the jumper on and go <laughs> help the boys out. They were insipid. And the president came out and had a crack. Yeah, I saw I that. He used that word, didn't he? He said they were insipid. Yeah. I mean, I love the fact that a president says that. I, I love anything... That creates a bit of controversy, turmoil, light and shade. Because I'm just a voyeur. Because you've got Jeff Kennett. I've got Jeff. <laughs> I've got to embrace it. I've got that absolutely. But that would annoy the crap out of the players. I would have thought, and the coaching staff. Well, it was a weird thing that I mean. First of all, um, his the president's name is Glenn Bartlett. They have President Bartlett, the, the who's West Wing. <laughs> you know, Josiah Bartlett is the greatest president America has ever had. Yeah. So if anyone could fix that club, it's President Bartlett. But he did say uh, when you put on a demon's shirt, uh, it means he said we don't give them out in Wheaties packets. Now there's proof of someone who's well out of date. Wheaties have not been available. In major supermarkets for a long time, they are they're a very demon cereal because it's just it's just crunched up wheat bix. There's no flavour, there's no structure. And Danny, I suspect the president of the Melbourne Football Club hasn't purchased his own breakfast cereal for a very long time. <laughs> no, <laughs> everyone knows those jumpers come with the cheese board. Everyone knows that. <laughs> so, yes. So too many soft cheeses, perhaps. And, Lima, you asked me uh, last week to do some research into the Norm Smith curse, uh, which is when – Yeah. And it is absolutely a thing. Uh, our friend friend of the show, Titus O'Reilly, wrote a piece on it in 2015. Um, so, Chelsea, what happened? It's called the Curse of the Red Fox. Uh, it's not as famous as the – the other big famous curses are, of course, the Curse of the Camp Bambino, where the Boston Red Sox traded Babe Ruth to the Yankees and didn't win a World Series for 100 years. There is the Curse of the Black Sox which is where the Chicago White Sox got caught uh, uh, throwing games for, and didn't win a World Series, I think, for 75 years. The Chicago Cubs had the curse of the Billy Goat, where a big Cubs fan brought his goat pet goat in to uh, Wrigley Field and they threw him out because the goat apparently stank and oh. he put a curse on them that they'd never win the World Series and they didn't for over 100 it. years. Jeez. Yeah. Sorry, Danny, just before you forgot yeah. one curse. Um, <laughs> Is this the, the curse of Sam Mitchell being forced to leave uh, Hawthorne no, no, after it, 2015? Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, the curse of the Black Pearl. Yeah. <laughs> Johnny Depp didn't make uh, a good movie for another 100 years after that one. That's a really good point. He When was the last time Johnny Depp made a good film? It was before he joined the Pirates of the Caribbean franchise. Yeah, it's been a while. Yeah. Because the first Pirates film is fun, but the rest are just pretty awful. <laughs> Yeah, taking the mickey anyway, after yeah, that, well, aren't they? There we go. Curse of the Black Pearl. Great. I'm putting that in. Anyway, Curse of the Red Fox. <laughs> um, there, 
Uh, Norm Smith got sacked halfway through the 1965 uh, season uh, after they'd won like six premierships in the past 10 years. He's the coach of the century, but uh, Ron Barassi had left the club and gone to Carlton. And a few of the board members thought that uh, that uh, uh, Norm Smith was sort of okay with that because he didn't want Barassi to challenge him for the position as coach. And that just shows that board members should not make any decisions in football ever. And uh, they, the, the fans all rallied and uh, and they brought him back, but the damage was done. He had no faith in the boards. So there was it was a, you know just a broken club, and they have never won. They didn't make finals for like. 22 years afterwards, the first time they made finals against was 1987. Uh, of course, the heartbreak where Jim Steins ran over the mark and Bacanara uh, yeah. kicked the winner. Uh, and a then glorious they made the grand finals after that and lost both by 96 points and 10 goals. Anyway, yeah, uh, we knew this. This is another big call, but uh, it really sucks to be a Demons fan. <laughs> it really does. And just quickly, guys, I'll give you a random collection of Johnny Depp films that he's made since the first Pirates of the Caribbean. You tell me. If you think they're any good or not, are uh, Sherlock Gnomes anyone? Oh wow! Uh, I actually haven't, haven't seen, seen it, so I can't say. Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> haven't seen it, can't say. I think this is probably giving us the answer, though. Uh, Alice, I saw it. I saw Murder on the Orient it? Express. It was all right. It was all right. Yeah. Uh, Alice through the Looking Glass. Now I reckon again, another one I haven't seen. However, I think uh, he could he could do that film well. Okay. I feel like that's his that's his shtick, kind of slightly. Tim Burton-esque kind of characters. It is Tim Burton, yeah. Uh, it's, uh, uh, Mordecai. Apparently one of the worst films of all time. Yeah. Still have not. I'm, do I even watch films? Okay. Uh, yeah. Transcendence. Never heard of it. I haven't seen it. <laughs> the Lone Ranger, apparently one of the worst ever. Oh, yeah, and he played Tonto. Like, how do you, yeah. you know, that's, isn't that blackface? Uh, that red, uh, yeah, that I, don't, red I don't, face? don't know how he no. approached it. Uh, <laughs> the Rum Diary. <laughs> The Rum Diary. See, that that sounds like it should be a Pirates movie. Well, the Rum Diary. Basically was, I believe. He was like the same character but just drank a lot of rum and I don't know. He did. Well, he he was – it's a Hunter S. Thompson uh, biographical book. Yeah. Hunter S. Thompson's diary from some time he spent in the Caribbean. Uh, Alice in Wonderland. Was that any good? Nah. The Imaginarium of Dr. Parnassus. Now, that's the film that uh, Heath Ledger was making when he died, and so they got a whole bunch of other oh, actors right. to play the role. Oh, wow. So Johnny Depp would only have been a little bit in that. So I've got three films here that might he might recover some ground. Finding Neverland. Oh, yeah. I yeah, never saw it. Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It was terrible. Absolutely. Oh, really? Rubbish. Yeah, but you're comparing right. that to the original, right? Yeah. Yes, of course. Yeah. I feel like it's a standalone. It's okay. Anyway, Pretty, sorry, Limo. Pretty Todd the Demon Barber of Fleet Street. Which I quite wow. enjoyed. Oh, there we go. Yeah. I'm assuming that's a horror. Yeah, <laughs> it's a musical horror. A musical it's, horror. Wow. Next level, Edward Scissorhands. Well, Lima, you say all this about Johnny Depp and his career, but at least his personal life has been nothing but smooth sailing <laughs> since then. <laughs> that's totally that's You've got to make sacrifices. Um, Have you guys ever done the Pirates of the Caribbean ride no, at Disneyland? No. No. It is very messed up. There is a lot. It's um. It, there's a, there's a lot of uh, sexual assault uh, just sort of depicted in wacky sort of uh, pirate ways. Oh, yeah, wow. it is not. It is not fit for broadcast. I think they've adapted it in the last decade. But when I saw it, I was quite surprised with how un PC it was. Well, I mean, maybe it's just realistic. They're they're pirates after all. They are. Yeah. <laughs> Historical accuracy. Well done. That's Disney. it. 
historical accuracy is their defence. And this all started, of course, with the... Um, uh, with the <laughs> yeah, where did it start? Uh, and Port, of course, flogged them uh, last. Yes. <laughs> like yeah, pirates on the high seas, they yes. swindled and... Well, Port, Port have more of a pirate thing going on. Uh, <laughs> Actually, in Melbourne, are like Johnny Depp. They haven't been good since 2004, except for, like, the occasional blip in 2018 and whatnot, which is like Johnny Depp making a good film. It's a mistake more See, than anything. They, it's all come full circle. Yeah. Through the Neil Danaher years, they basically played finals every second year that Neil Danaher coached them. And then and since Neil, they have done very, very little. Uh, and it looks like that is going to continue in 2020. Uh, I love the Jeff White. Sorry to backtrack, but I, I used to love watching Jeff White in the Ruck. Oh, that's, oh, cool. yeah. that's so nice. Yeah. And that era, I think for me that kind of era was um, there was some nice uh, nice footy from Melbourne to watch. But uh, I did backtrack slightly there, but just thought I'd pop that in. They did They did play some good films. I mean, Russell Robinson yeah. was there. The oh, yeah, of that period as well. Excitement machine. He was. Yeah. He was, uh, he was fantastic to watch. Hey, quickly, let's go to Friday night. Well, actually, Friday afternoon. This game started oh. at 5.30, Friday afternoon. Hawthorne-Carlton. We were five goals to none down in the first quarter, and I thought, oh, my God. I was starting to get flogged by Carlton mates on the text and on WhatsApp. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Carlton just – they left the ground at quarter time and didn't return until late in the last quarter. Was the Surely, plan. was that planned though? Carlton does tend to do that, don't they? They'll concede a bunch of goals, like they'll have a lead or they'll have a really good start and then they'll just back off. So five goals was probably about right. Yeah. They've given up more five-goal leads. They've given up like six in their past 20 games. And, and I remember reading a stat years ago, according to Champion Data, if you go 30 points up, you are like – it used to be like 95% guaranteed to win the game. Uh, clearly, Carlton has dragged that down. It's probably like 60% now. In, in fact, the Carlton stat specifically with them is if Carlton go 30 points up, they're 90% likely to lose the game. <laughs> we, we've, something we've been talking about, Chelsea, on this show is uh, when coaches are losing, what sort of angry dad do they look like? Like, we reckon Chris Fagan is a lot of the uh, I'm not mad, I'm just disappointed yeah. dad. Yeah. Uh, Leon Cameron is the uh, the stepfather who's just at his wit's end. Your mother and I are worried sick. Uh, <laughs> and Clarko, he really looked, because he had that, he wasn't wearing a Hawks jacket. It was sort of just a, a black jacket uh, sort of thing. And he just looked despondent and a deep rage within him. He looked like the dad who's not allowed custody but can watch his sons play footy from the other side of the oval. He has to keep 100 metres away right. from anyone else. And David Teague, looking at him the other night, David Teague looks like the dad who's just sitting there going, no one told me it would be like this. No one I warned. <laughs> He, he wants a get, paternity test. He doesn't get fired up, though. Or did he get fired up? I don't think I've really seen him too fired up. Yeah, no, he, he, didn't, just, get, he didn't get fired up. He was just... Not fired up. He was just not fired up. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if that's, just, if that's just him or if he's made a decision to not fire up mm. and it's, it's, he's 
finding it hard to train himself to stay calm. Apparently, Brendan Bolton was a big fan of just screaming at him by the end of his tenure. And something that the players really liked about Teague was his calm demeanour. So he's got to sort of commit to that now. It seems like he's got nerves of steel or emotions of steel. He, uh, but he needed them the other night. Yeah. Because they really struggled. And the Hawks. And Lemo, how were you with the Carlton fans who had texted you earlier? Because uh, you're, not, you're not really known as the most gracious winner. And I, I am consistent, Danny, I'll tell you that. Uh, <laughs> I messaged all of them individually more than once. Can you just go through your phone? Could I hear some of the things? Like, what did you, what did you send to Dave Hughes? He was, he's someone who loves Hughes, the text. I don't have to my phone. I can remember what I said to Hughes. I messaged him and I sent a similar message to quite a few Carlton people. I said, I thought you guys tried really hard tonight. That was a great effort. Oh, oh wow. Oh. <laughs> and Hughesy just wrote back, fuck off. <laughs> I said. Uh, and I had a few other mates who just didn't uh, respond and a uh, few said, you know, I hate Hawthorne. Hawthorne, and then just various other strands of abuse around Hawthorne. Yeah, so, I, I had a mate say, a uh, Carlton fan saying, I think just before the match, he said, I think we're definitely going to lose this. And I was like, what are you talking about? You guys are on fire. Hawthorne are a shambles. And then during the first quarter, I texted him uh, saying, oh, yeah, you're right. You guys are shit house." you know, when they were five goals up. Um, he never responded. Yeah. And I've not texted I might never text him ever again. Um, might be the end of the friendship. One of my favourite things to do, which I did in this game, is with about three minutes left, I started texting a few Carlton friends saying, I reckon you can still win from here. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what's a really good cold move is I'm a big fan of uh, the blank text. So you just hit the space bar a few times. So no text comes up, but they get a message from you. Just a little reminder. Yeah. I'm here. <laughs> little niggle. <laughs> uh, Thinking so, of you. <laughs> so now all of a sudden Hawthorne are like, oh, don't write them off. They're back in the conversation. A week ago it was sack the coach and now it's, hey, they can play finals. What do you, Chelsea, do you look at the current version of Hawthorne and find them to be inconsistent and slightly frustrating? Yes, and I say, well, I say that in a very neutral manner. Everything I do, I have to. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I have to, of course, come back to that. Uh, I think compared to, because I have had Hawthorne quite a bit, you know, well, well I've had a lot of success. And, um, of course, I've done a grand final with Hawthorne. I've seen them at their absolute best. And I think... Yeah, to watch them now, it's, you know, obviously there's some inconsistency. I think they've got some really great experienced players um, that can really step up and, um, you know, that's what helps them to win the game. But I think probably from a, if you want to use the term rebuilding and and that sort of thing, I think there's just sort of a bit that needs to happen before they can get back to their best. So maybe, you know, how do you see it as as a supporter? Are you sort of... I'm happy to accept that, you know, you're going to have to accept that rebuilding kind of phase? hundred percent. And after, before the, this weekend's game, before that win over Carlton, in my mind, I was like, you know what? I'm happy to go down the ladder and get a top three draft pick. Yeah. That's, I'm totally at peace with that. Yeah. And let's just play a bunch of kids for the rest of the year, get game time into them. But then we beat Carlton on the weekend. And I'm like, we're only a game out we're of We're all good. <laughs> <laughs> Anything's possible. Anything's possible. But yeah. I know... I mean, I know for a fact Clarko is never, ever contemplating going down the ladder. No. Like Clarko, in his head, 
He would never lay in bed at night and say, oh, well, we'll get a high draft pick. He's always wanting to go up the ladder. So, he's And on the, on the one hand, that's like that is such a brilliant attitude and spirit for the game. But at the yeah. same time, you're like, ooh, you know, sort of at what cost? And uh, Yeah. We've actually got a few number one draft picks, but we picked them up deep in their careers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so it would be nice to get a couple of kids in there. But having said that, you know, I do like winning. But, but, then, but then, having said that, if we get knocked out in the first week of the finals, I go, well, was it all worth it? Should, yeah. Could we have banked for a while? Hawthorne fans don't actually know what, what true footy pain is. Like you go, oh, we, had, we struggled in 2004, but you really haven't had sustained pain like a St Kilda or a Melbourne or a, a Richmond fan even. Yeah. Uh, so I think you are due for some, some proper agony Smart and I for one welcome it. <laughs> the the evil part of me, Chelsea, at one point was hoping for a St Kilda Melbourne grand final at an empty MCG. Oh wow! <laughs> <laughs> it's just ticking all those boxes for you, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just so mean. Oh wow! And we do, now we don't know where the grand final is going to be, do we? No. Do you know? You're not allowed to tell us. No, we don't know. I don't even know beyond. I think it's round twelve or up to so. With the fixture, um, I know they're planning games in Cairns, potentially Darwin. That's the talk, but no idea. I think they'd have to be looking at all uh, all possibilities, really. And to be honest, those possibilities probably lie in Queensland. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> when you, so, yeah. Has anyone suggested Bell Reef? Tasmania might be the only COVID-free state by then. Could we have a Bell Reef grand final? Bring it on. And by that by that stage, you know, we'll just all go in. We don't, they don't, won't care about Dirty Vicks and everything. It's the last game of the year. We'll just bring everyone down. Yep. We'll infiltrate the state and um, it'll be in good nick too. There we go. Blundstone Arena for the grand final. <laughs> Done. Um, or T.O. Stadium in Darwin. I think the NT's got the best rec- COVID record of all states and territories. All right, let's crack through the rest of these games. Uh, Brisbane absolutely pantsed Essendon. And this was your game, Chelsea. In the second Friday night game. Chelsea, how early did you think to yourself, oh, this is going to be a long night for the Bombers? Yeah, well, I had Brisbane in the first quarter and that was a blistering start. I think probably the first seven or eight minutes they just kept peppering the goal square. Uh, So they were on the board early. And I reckon there are two things that stand out for me in that game. I mean, that Charlie Cameron chase down of Aaron Francis, that was in the second half. Amazing. You could just see it. Like, I just remember standing in the goal square looking, and you just see it unfold in slow motion. Like, yeah. he just sets his sights on it, does an 80-metre sprint, and just bang. Um, and this is Essendon, who I have had a couple of weeks ago, and they're not a slow side. So yeah. I think to see Brisbane kind of – you know, stand up the way they did and it, I think they were just very dominant and it's going to be interesting to see them come up against um, Richmond. Last year, Charles, we looked at Brisbane and everyone was a bit surprised at how good they were. Mm. You know, no one had predicted that they would finish second on the ladder. No. Are you? Do you look at them this year and think this is a side that's getting used to being good and they're a really well-rounded, accomplished team that feels – because I felt like last year even Brisbane didn't quite feel like they deserved to be where they were. Yeah. Whereas I get the feeling that this year they kind of – there's a bit of a swagger about them. Yeah, and they were – you know, they're still a young side and so I think for those couple of years they were really just quite outstanding and, and didn't have that expectation. But now they're like, yeah, they've got swagger, they've got self-belief and I think they're able to bring new 
younger players in because I think Daniel Rich was out. Um, yeah. So they're able to kind of, you know, if there are a few older heads who, who aren't around as a team, they seem to be really gelling. And um, it's not just, it's not too dissimilar, I reckon, to the Lions in probably the early 2000s where you had, you know, you could name anyone in the team and they, they had sort of that leadership quality or that sort of experience yeah. to really help everyone to gel. And I just think they're starting to look a little bit more like that. I won't say they're like that because <laughs> they're not the same team. But, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's sort of it's good to watch. And Lockie Neal is a goddamn freak. And, yeah, I mean, he would be leading the Brownlow right now, I would have thought. Oh, yeah. I think he had um, 33 touches on yeah. Friday, I think, from memory. Uh, and Brownlow-wise, I, I could not uh, feel like that was another little uh, little test, but I uh, couldn't yeah. tell you what's going on there. But, yeah, yes, I would say he's having a good year. <laughs> do you know the votes? Do you, goal umpires don't vote, do they? No. We've got to leave the room. We are oh. yeah, not allowed to uh, overhear or be involved in any way. Do you get to vote in the Coleman? <laughs> well, actually, now that you mention it, why not? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we're on the end of the goal. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Go on. Who's, who's, who is winning the Coleman oh. in your mind right now? Who is winning? This is where I go dusty love again. No, can't go there. Been oh, there too much today. Please have one award that it doesn't win. Ross Kennedy's leading, surely. Yeah, he's um, I'm just trying to think. We'll get to him in a minute, but he did have a ripping, another ripping game. I'll find some. Uh, yeah, some get our stats up, uh, Lemo. Yeah, mm. uh, but I'm pretty sure it's Kennedy. Yeah, he's got 22. Tom Papley 20. Charlie Cameron 19. Yeah, and then yeah, but that's, then that's just Papley. off the goals. I'm going by the goal umpires' votes of who they think is uh, deserving of the Coleman. Oh that's right, it. okay. I'll get back to you. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Who's the most experienced <laughs> goal umpire at the moment? As in, who's been around the longest? Uh, I think Dan Wilson. And when, at a, yeah. at a guess, when, in what year would Dan have started? 04. All oh, right. So you don't have anyone going back to the 90s. Because I was going no. to ask if, you're, if a goal umpire was with you since, say, 95, if they'd constantly sit around telling tales of all the 100 goalkeepers that you see <laughs> in the game <laughs> and you'd be sitting there open-mouthed these incredible oh, stories. Oh, it's so interesting. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, they all Tell have good stories. Good stories to tell and, of course, things were a lot harder back in those days. And uh, <laughs> I've been catching a bit of on KO. Though, are we allowed to promote? I'm not promoting KO, yeah, but on yeah, KO. Yeah, we're not on ABC now. Beautiful. Uh, watching a, a bit of the those classic matches and uh, keeping my eye on the goal umpiring. I'll tell you what, there's got some interesting positions there. Yeah. <laughs> it's just as interesting watching the goal umpiring as it is actually watching the, the players. And do you do you get envious of the fact that they don't have goal review? I think there would only be, you know, if you're in a situation where you're about to majorly stuff up, that's when you want the goal review. But more often yeah. than not, it's actually nice to just, I mean, they're giving goals from behind the behind post. Like it's, <laughs> I mean, it's ridiculous. Like they're sort yeah. of standing or they're like standing apparently underneath the flight for a, for a cross face and they're like literally like where the boundary umpire stands. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. Um, you're just a different world. And Chelsea, do you know when there was the decision to go, when they signal a goal, a lot, a lot of the really old ones, they're not doing the, what I would call the, the normal goal where they just, they, they put the fingers, they point the fingers skyward and then bring them down at a 90 degree angle. It's more a sort of, uh, you start with your fingers by your, your ribs and mm. you push out. It's a prod, isn't it? It's like a. Yeah, when did that happen? 
Yeah. Oh, look, I'm going to have to look into the uh, the historical archives because <laughs> um, I think you just adapt to the coaching preferences and styles and the, obviously the evolution of the game. Because when I started umpiring, I actually used to wear the bowler hat in Queensland in like oh, the state one. league, in the state league. Yeah. Okay. So not in the – thinking not the AFL. I think by the time I got to the AFL, they'd changed the caps. But it was all very recent. But it wasn't that long before – so that was sort of 04 when I started as well. It wasn't that long before that they were wearing the, the big overcoats and the bowler hats. And so the game evolved to something quicker, you know, a bit, bit sportier in terms yeah. of the goal umpiring look. So yeah. have they ever discussed, serious question, have they ever yeah. discussed the heritage round that you wearing the old duffel coats that they wore back in the day? Well, I've worn one because we used to do Heritage Round and I reckon it would have been the first couple of years on the list and um, they gave me a men's size double XL coat, which is great. And yeah. so I kind of put that on and then gave it to mum and she cut the arms shorter and uh, re-sewed it all together and made it actually fit. Right. And um, But it was so fun because we had the tie and the shirt and the yeah, uh, right. man coat. So was that a NFL Heritage Round? Yeah, so that would have been, I reckon, mid, sorry, 05, 06, maybe, 07. Okay. So I loved it's been done. I loved it so much. So did I. I. Because I would just wait for the first free kick decision against the Bulldogs and then let fly with white maggot and everyone oh. would just get nostalgic. Bring it back. <laughs> Bring it back. Like no, I love all that heritage um, round stuff. I think it's so much fun. It just brings a different vibe to the, the game. Yeah. I love a bit of nostalgia and uh, right. not much nostalgia going on in Adelaide, though, with the Crows. Oh, Victoria's declared a state of disaster. I think the Adelaide Crows might have declared one as well. <laughs> they are about to win their first ever wooden spoon. And they are, I mean, they got flogged by North Melbourne, who are, haven't, North Melbourne haven't They're had a year. The Crows are just appalling. It's actually hard to piece together what's going on when a club's that bad because I, have a theory, Chelsea, that every playing list assessed independently is actually, they're all not that far apart from each other. No. There's a few percentage points between yeah. each playing list and the differences on the ladder occur largely because of everything else that happens around that and, th- and a bit of luck tied in. Do you think it's because they can't train together and they're just so, they're probably, well, they've got the talent, mm. um, you know, on a sort of name-by-name name basis, they're not getting that sort of training quality. So what, are, so what are the rules around the Crows at the moment with training? So because even though Adelaide is not under any strict protocols as a state, Adelaide as a club is under AFL protocols, which tries to sort of keep that level playing field and restricts their training to small groups. Yeah, right. Oh. And so I wonder if that's why they're just not... It's a bit awkward when you're you're asking a player to pass you the ball and you don't know his name. (laughs) 32, 32. Yeah, old mate, come on. I always always love it when a field umpire says a player's jumper number because they know the names of pretty much 95% of players. So when they say number 26, it's so obvious. (laughs) They don't know their name. Or mate. Mate. (laughs) <laughs> Old mate over here. So, yeah, the Crows just beyond woeful at the moment. And highlight of the game, though, was the Magic Door comeback and goal and seeing his teammates get around him. It was a great moment, wasn't it? It was the happiest I've seen after that goal, that celebration. 
like North North Melbourne smiling. I mean, I, I've had him a few times this year, and it hasn't been the best year for him, you know. Um, so it was actually the most joyful yeah. I'd seen those players, and maybe you know, maybe that'll help to inject a bit of um, bit of something. They did play Electric Blue after they won. Is that a common thing for North Melbourne? Is that a North Melbourne song? Oh, I think it should be. Like, I just, they were talking to Mad Jack after the game, and I could just hear the, the, the old 80s song Electric Blue being played, and I'm not sure if that's just Gold Coast being, you know, peaked in the 80s as yeah. a town or if, <laughs> or if North Melbourne have sort of adapted it. Uh, I guess we'll find. Let's listen out for it this week. Yeah, yeah. Because I do have another music question, just about the um, the when the Suns got a goal in the third quarter, um, they played "Walking on Sunshine." Now, yeah. is that is that an yeah. individual player's song, or are they playing that for each Suns goal? I reckon. So I did notice that as well because I was on the bench for that game, and um, it was obviously a well curated Suns song. Uh, but I haven't had them enough to know whether I'm, – I'm assuming that they play that every week. Just for the Suns, yeah, right? It's not I'm just sure. that player's favourite song. I don't think so. Okay, good to know. But I do notice, um, you know, going to each game every – because I want to know if someone has this job <laughs> of curating the music because I'd love to. I'd love that job. Yeah. Every game you go to, there is a different vibe. Sometimes it's the 80s vibe. Sometimes uh, Essendon's a bit more hardcore. They like like a slight rocky kind of – the playlist that's playing when you arrive um, is usually a similar playlist, so you just you get the double up on songs. But um, it's it is different for different teams, which I find quite interesting. Carlton should play like Beethoven. Just calm down, focus, play the long just, game. Just classical music just suits the blues right. at a certain BPM, so that they're focused the whole time. Yeah, I did go into the Hawthorne rooms before a game a few years ago, and it was they were playing like this deep trance. Oh, and I said, "Who's what's this shit?" <laughs> and it was, and Strats was in charge of the music. That was his. Wow. That was Someone his. who works for SAFM is criticising the music of a Hawthorne football club. Yeah. Hey, we've got, we're playing some great music now at SAFM, Danny. Don't worry about that. One station, all the hits. <laughs> Every single one of them uh, you'll hear there. Hey, uh, let's quickly bang through the rest of these games. St Kilda, Sydney, uh, what stood out there for you guys? Anything in particular? I reckon I'm going to make a big call. I reckon St Kilda are, are really good. Uh, I'm, I'm going to put it out there right now. I think this is the generation of St Kilda players who will next choke in a grand final. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were as fast as I've seen them, I reckon, um, St Kilda. Yeah. Like, they, you know, they've got some spark. Um, they're pretty good at ground level as well. But I think um, it was also nice to see a fairly high-scoring game. <laughs> we don't see too many of those um, these days. So I think they got just over 100, 101 or whatever the final score was. So so Chelsea, uh, North got over 100, St Kilda got over 100 without looking back across every round. I reckon that's almost the first time this year two teams have scored over 100 in the same round. I reckon you could be right. Yeah. They've, it's been a very low-scoring affair from week to week. So yeah. it's a rare treat and we love it when it happens. Uh, so good on saying there's a big call from Danny McGinley saying he thinks they're good, the team that's sitting third on the ladder. Great, <laughs> great from Danny. Yeah. Uh, Come on, Fox Sports, get me on. The Eagles and the Catters, well, this turned out to be a bloody good game. Um, now, Chelsea, you were saying earlier that you count Ben Brown's steps when he comes in mm. to kick a goal. Do you also count Josh Kennedy's steps 
and how quickly do you have to count to get through them? I think probably Ben Brown, I can count the steps. Josh Kennedy, I just like to close my eyes for a second and just get it out of my mind because that little the, the little skip up that he has, yeah. oh, it works for him. But, yes, you don't want to get too sucked into that, do you? It's hard to watch, yeah. <laughs> but, hey, whatever works. He had a ripping match, so it did work for him. Well, he had a ripping first and last quarter. He didn't do much in in terms two and three. It's sort of like uh, he he started his assignment and then realised it was due and just crammed it all. It crammed four goals into that last quarter the night before the exam. <laughs> Again, <laughs> guess you, it, it worked for him, didn't it? <laughs> it worked for him, absolutely. And he had the uh, that mark at the end that was the clincher, and then of course he kicked the goal that uh, that put it out of reach. Chelsea, a question we've asked a few times on this show, I'd be very interested in your perspective, how many goals are required to make up a bag? To say, oh, I kicked a bag on the weekend. Yeah, right. Because many years ago, a bag, it had to be six or seven at least. Yeah. yeah. What would you say is a bag now? Especially with shortened quarters. Oh, goodness. So a bag, I think a good, I think a bag would be four. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I I mean, that's impressive. I'm going to say four. But, uh, yeah, it's gone to the days where 12 are a bag. Yeah. It's <laughs> a bag. I, I think four feels about right for a bag. Yeah. What is tw- 12? If you kick 12 now, that's like a, that's like a trunk. It's, yeah, it's impossible to even sort of imagine, isn't it, really? Yeah. Um, I'm going to say that the crowd crowd factor oh, yes. is um, just massive over there in the West. Um, and, I mean, who's to say how much that is actually influencing the, I guess, the, the nature of the game and, and – the quality of the, the footy we're seeing, but I think they had twenty seven thousand, yeah, um, which is just insane to to think about. Um, we get about four four thousand in, in these Queensland games, but that's a finals atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I really think it helped the Eagles, and I think it definitely helped Frio. I was just yeah. going. Oh, yeah. We'll skip the Suns and Giants for the moment. Yeah. I think it definitely helped Frio last night. Yeah, and I reckon they had twenty. It was twenty or twenty-one thousand for Frio, and I agree. It's so the crowds over there are so parochial and just yeah, it's got to be a factor. Uh, and of course, I mean, it didn't influence the umpiring in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> Absolutely not. Uh, no, but, but it spurred their teams on. Gee, I'll tell you what. I've never barracked hard for the Fremantle Dockers, but gee, I was. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. Yeah. It was uh, – and 10 goals won. Didn't Frio and St Kilda go through a period where they were allergic to the goals? And now they're the two most accurate teams in the competition. I don't think many people would have just thought, yep, yeah, Frio, Collingwood. Oh, yeah, well, uh, Frio was – we'll uh, have that one. I, I, it was insane um, the way that they, they got over Collingwood. And I think even – Collingwood didn't play badly. They probably – they had to come back and they had to sort of – um, find it again, but I don't think they played badly. I think Freo just played well. Yeah, and you know what was interesting on they, you know, the pressure index they put up on Fox Footy. Yeah, yeah. Like, who knows how they calculate these things? But the Dockers' pressure rating was nearly off the charts. It was so high, and the Collingwood one was as high as I've ever seen a team's ranking. So both teams were smashing the pressure rating last night. So you can't argue that no one was trying 
They were both having Do a you think Frio were just, they were fired up because they had a bad loss to Geelong on the Monday night where not only were they, top, you know, accused of being a bad team, they were, they were pretty much accused of bringing the game into disrepute. <laughs> like everyone was just slamming them as the worst game ever. And Geelong, because Geelong won, they sort of got off scot-free. Everyone was just raining bullets on the Dockers. Yeah, well, they didn't kick a goal in the first half. I mean, that's, that is unforgivable to me in modern football. They didn't score in the first quarter of this one, so that's five quarters with barely any goals. But then they, they fired up, four goals, two goals, four goals. And then they came home with a wet sail. Uh, last game, Gold Coast Suns, Giants. Chels, you were there. I was. Look, it wasn't the uh, most engaging game to watch from the bench, I will say that. Uh, but we had a few interesting things happen. I mean, obviously, Toby Green's hammy is the talking point, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I I got I was working at uh, at Channel Ten, having been paying attention, where I worked behind the scenes, and my phone was exploding uh, with, and I assumed it was all just mates reacting to the stage four lockdown things, but it just kept ringing. And ad break, I had to look, and it's just everyone texting me, "Your mate has injured his hamstring." <laughs> just, isn't it? That is just so Victoria. You know, yeah, we're in lockdown. Yeah, we've got this pandemic, but hey, hey. Toby Green, did you, you need to know? Yeah. This seriously important piece of news just coming through. Yes, <laughs> but yeah, no. So he wasn't a happy chappy when he uh, when he came off um, on, onto the bench. There, I heard I heard the swearing. Um, I didn't know what had happened initially, but then yeah, it became very apparent. Because Chelsea, do you realise how hard it is to deliver a full stretch karate kick with a damaged hamstring? It's almost, <laughs> almost impossible. Well, that's it. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, uh, but yeah, not uh, when a team uh, kicks four goals eleven. Uh, was it? Yeah, four eleven. That's generally a sign that it's not a very engaging affair. No, it wasn't. Uh, it wasn't the most spectacular game. And and Gold Coast mm. been down the ladder. I re- I'm desperate for Gold Coast to play finals footy. They've still never played one. Yeah, I would love to see them uh, win a few games and at least play one final. Um, but Chelsea, you're getting the feeling that Gold Coast Suns might have turned some sort of corner. I feel like they have. They're one of these teams that seem to have these glimpses where they they can put it together and they and they really do seem to to play well. But then you know, I think there's just that inconsistency. So there are the ups and downs, and I think this year just throws a bit more into the mix in that regard. Like as I think you referred to outside factors earlier on, and I think there's just I don't know if it's just harder to keep backing up and, you know, and, and, and having those sort of closer games together or I'm not sure. It's it's sort of they're one of those sort of teams that seem to bring it on some days and, and then they can be pretty terrible on others. And having said that, I, I don't know how to feel about GWS either, to be honest. No. I'm still not convinced whether they're really good or whether no. they're kind of middle of the road. Yeah. yeah well, because that's it. They play Essendon. Oh, that that could be no. You're right. That actually could be a really interesting matchup because um, yeah, it's the same thing. They've they've sort of they get these expectations created around them, and they do play some really great footy, and then they they don't seem to be able to sustain it or or necessarily uh, come for the matches that matter. And uh, Essendon, of course, got a cheeky little game up their sleeve along with uh, Melbourne. Oh yeah, but we've all so, forgotten about that. They're going to have to play at some weird midweek clash at some point. Well, because that could really work against them, the fact that they had that bye, you know, earlier in the year when they had to have that, that match cancelled. So, 
It'll be interesting to see how that affects them. Let's see. Uh, well, Travis Old will have an answer for us at some point mm. with the uh, with the scheduling. Uh, so, and footy's back on tonight, of course. Yeah. Uh, Dogs v Port, the battle of the breakfast uh, news stars, David Kosh versus Michael Rowland. Uh, the the Kosh-Rowland Cup, of course. Yeah. <laughs> and then just footy all week, every night. What a joy. It's, it really <laughs> is a dream come true for most people. Chelsea, where will you be uh, working this week? What is your diary telling you? I am on Wednesday night, and if memory serves me correct, I believe that is Geelong North. North, North Melbourne. Yeah. Yes. That's uh, afternoon, 530, 540. 40, uh, and that's a Gabba game. Yeah, so um, we're heading down the, the M1. Uh, how do you? How do they get you to the Gabba? Are you in an armoured van, uh, police escort, and everything? Oh, we should be, but uh, we are in a, a bus type, uh, like a mini bus. So um, we just we drive ourselves. We've got some vehicles at our disposal because um, they obviously just want us contained in everything we're doing. So that's actually really handy. Um, we can we can grab a vehicle and go for a drive. So yeah, Stop we'll just McDonald's on the way. Oh, of course. Yes, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Chelsea, which umpire drives the bus? Uh, Chris Donlan's pretty good. He's got on the on the tunes as well, so okay. he, he usually gets the, the radio happening. And uh, <laughs> I just made it sound really, really, uh, he gets really interesting then. Functioning, uh, <laughs> between the Gold Coast and Brisbane. Uh, well, Chelsea, it has been an absolute pleasure having you on the pod and thank you for stepping in uh, for Tess Armstrong. It's been lovely catching up. Thanks for uh, for phoning in. And all the best with your hub life and, thank you. and hubby coming into your life, back into your life in a few days. Yeah, it'll um, be hubby life. Yes, hub, hub hubby life. And uh, all the best. We'll be watching you on uh, Wednesday night when the Catters uh, take on the ruse. Uh, Danny McGinley, thank you as always. Thank you, Leams, and don't forget everyone to you know follow us on the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and uh, if you if you've still got a job and uh, would like a bonus episode, uh, get on board our Patreon. We do a bonus yeah. episode just for the people who give us some uh, a bit of cash, where we uh, reveal uh, we go through we preview the games a lot of the time. I don't know how that'll work now with the uh, footy every night, but uh, we uh, we get all the tips absolutely right, and everyone who has uh, given us money has put money on it, and they all own property now. That's right. Uh, Asterix may or may not be true. Uh, (laughs) Thank you. And go Hawks.